0: Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 3rd, 2016. Mass communication. Sounds good, doesn't it? Because we're supposed to be social creatures, you see, and we like to interact with people. At least that's what they keep telling us. But uh, when you think about it, of course, it's also an awfully powerful tool. Very, very powerful tool. So powerful, in fact... That down through the ages Elites have always recognized The necessity for Getting information out to their subjects That's what they call them, subjects We're still subjects today, really And What happens is When something comes from a big top authority figure Like a king or whatever Then people will Tend to believe it, you see always had education And we're peasants and we haven't That's how it used to be, you see, at one time. And today, of course, it's hard to be an intelligent peasant. Because you had intelligent peasants in the Middle Ages who heard these declarations come out by town criers. And they sent riders across uh, the countries, of course, with the scrolls. And they had to read out the the proclamations and things that you're supposed to obey, etc., and why uh, again the fake reasons? There's always fake reasons given as why he must obey things. There's always another, uh, an alternative motive. But a lot of the peasants were really intelligent. They hadn't been brainwashed, as we have today. And when you're like that, you see you can, you can smell a rat very quickly. When you hear something, it doesn't make sense to you. And from previous experience too, you're you're always wary for the next. Uh, Declaration of whatever it happens to be. But today, the, the techniques be more perfected of brainwashing whole countries, nations, even the world with the right kind of scientifically designed techniques of propaganda. I've mentioned before how entertainment is one of the best you can possibly have because. Your firewall, the mind's firewall is down when you think you're relaxing and being entertained. And throughout the entertainment, you get all the different cultural changes embedded in it that you eventually emulate, thinking it's all quite natural and normal. And so you end up uh, going from a comedian like Jack Benny, uh, who gave you witty and very clever jokes and so on, to the stand-up characters today who cuss and swear and, and talk about their bodily functions an awful lot. And people will, will actually laugh at it, you see, because they've been trained to laugh at it as well, like it's normal. So you are constantly being changed by those in control of the culture, the culture creators. Now, mass communication, again, made it so much easier to do because... Uh, Yes, schools were an advancement to get a common indoctrination through people, but when you got mass communication, radio, then television, they're immediately put to the use of those who had the power and who decided what kind of society that they wanted to control in the future. And they also have their think tanks. They still have them today, of course, lots and lots and lots of them, where they look at the trends, if we do this and this and this into society, see, whatever you introduce into society on a technological basis uh, itself will tend to change the culture. And the last thing you want to do is introduce things into society that will actually free up the minds of the people. So you make sure you're always in charge of it and you're in charge of what gets out there to the public. So through, through radio and television, of course, we were given a common a common understanding that our masters wanted us to have about the world in general and even the past. They're always changing the past uh, constantly. Therefore, with the development of behaviorism studies on humanity and psychology and all the rest of it and the constant testing, testing, collecting data on us all to the present time where it's instant daily uh, data they, they add to your profiles and so on, they know exactly how you tick, and you're categorizing in a little pigeonhole. This is a type so-and-so, uh, and etc. etc. and they have all your clusters of friends and who you chat with and all the rest of it and why you chat with them and what you have in common, etc. It's all down to a T, you see. It's perfect now. It really is perfect. And what makes it easier today is that it, something I noticed a long time ago, is when they want to to make a big change in the culture, introducing some new technology or whatever it happens to be. They have the Bernays techniques come out in full force of propaganda through advertising. And they, they even put advertising into news broadcasts as well. Until the newscasters are talking about Oh, let's all be It's like, it's like the, the, the 60s for instance 70s or whatever uh, you, If you look back and look at all the old videos At the time you, You'll see that they were pushing The, the, the drugs, rock and roll and free sex and all the rest of it It was all the thing to do And it was all done with this, this hype This hype of fun, fun, fun And let's be honest Folk who get addicted to drugs are not Living in fun and the fallout from the sex and the diseases and abortions doesn't have fun either. Everything has a consequence. And lots of folk did, basically, tune in and, and drop out, as you say. And they dropped out for good. A lot of them ended up in loony bins. Mental hospitals, because you had a drug-induced schizophrenia and all these kind of things, and various other kinds of damage, etc., etc. But that was pushed from the very, very top. You see, to be the revolution, to break the old society that the masters had, and with the same masters bringing in the new society, because they knew that technologies they would introduce down the road. And they wanted to make sure that they would still be in charge of them and they would tell everything, tell the people that everything was fun, fun, fun. Now, you've always had in stories, in all fiction, moral lessons embedded there. And in its simplest form, for a stable society that's not out killing each other, and since the purpose of families is to have children, and to look after those children, not the state looking after them, but you looking after them, you were taught basic responsibilities. So they had the old Western types, the Shane type movies, where the man was a man and he was a decent bloke and all the rest of it. But he knew how he stand up to bad guys and things like that to protect, protect, protect. And that was basically how they, they put it across back then. And then, of course, through the revolution of the, 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 the 60s and 70s, the, 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 the masters of control wanted to, to get all the women in the workforce eventually, so you had to separate them from the men and have uh, free sex, free love, and all this stuff. Now, they tried this way back in the late 1800s. H.G. Wells was an advocate back then as a propagandist, of course, for the elites uh, of free love. They called it free love back then. But they didn't have the pill and all these kind of things to, to try and, or penicillin an a for that matter, to offset the ill effects of that kind of behavior, you see. Once the 60s were in, out came the pill at the same time. They went back to drawing board, you see. And the pill came out, and the abortion industry started too, and life was devalued. Because the masters at the top wanted everybody to eventually get in the workforce. They didn't want stable relationships. They wanted women working double the tax base and they uh, they could reduce the populations too. And part of the target too was to then start importing people from abroad for the world type system of the borderless world, you see, to make up those who weren't getting born anymore. And the reason things are happening at at, at a fast pace today is not because of the jihadists across the the Middle East and, and this and that and the other thing. It's because this is the time to do it. You've all had your programming, Every Two or three generations programmed with this, uh, again from the 60s, and the time is ripe for it, you see. And that's what's all happening now. Now, one of the important people in all of this did try to warn humanity to an extent. He came on the Mike Wallace show, I'll put some of the links up tonight perhaps, and that was Aldous Huxley, the author of Brave New World, and other books too, other novels. But he, of course, never mind the family he came from, his brother, Julian Huxley, uh, became the first head of UNESCO, United Nations Educational and Scientific Community, or whatever it was called, to, to, to standardize education and indoctrination across the world for behavior modification. Now, since Aldous Huxley was his brother, he was well aware of, of what his brother was up to and why he was up to all this kind of thing, too, you see. And Aldous Huxley also shared the worry of overpopulation, as they called it. And you always get, whenever you get a dilemma of things, of information which has two sides to it, both Putting out their positive reasons for why they believe this or that you, you, you got to stop and say, wait a minute here Because the population, for instance, in good part of Europe And definitely in Britain was dropping Many years ago And at the same time, people like Huxley were coming out And the organizations that he belonged to, too Talking about um, the dangers of overpopulation and then years later, you talk about we'll we need more and more immigrants because not enough people are being born. Well, if the whole point is to bring down the population in your country and you're, you're awfully obedient and you do it, then why would you want to, to make the problem worse than it was before by bringing even more people in who will have big, big families and expand the welfare state? Another product of the revolution, as you say all from the same people. All from the same people at the top. It tells you they have a different plan for you. They want you out of the way, basically, off the, the native populations. That's part of the, that's part of the agenda. But anyway, you're going through massive changes. And Aldous Huxley and Mike Wallace show, uh, he did talk about but he was concerned about it. Now he'd already been through Tavistock Institute. He knew they were putting wires in people's brains over there in England. under Because you could always use uh, in so-called insane people, you see, at that time. Way back in the 30s and 40s and 50s to do their testing, this quiet testing. A lot of the people would have no relatives left, these, 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 these patients. And if they had relatives at all. They didn't want to come, even come and visit them or know about them. So they were perfect for doing these experiments. No one would, would ask any questions. And we passed the simple lobotomy stages back then, and they were putting implants in folks' brains with wires attached to them, just like they'd done with rats and so on, and Pavlov and uh, had been up to, et cetera. And uh, you, you'll find that they wanted to find out how how they could motivate people to change behavior by introducing currents into sections of the brain. They were mapping the brain back then too. And uh, Huxley talks about it. You can see where he was fascinated by certain, certain experiments they did. And at the same time, he's giving you these little warnings about technology itself and the rapidity of technological advancement now that also included—he didn't mention it, but that's, he knew—it also included behaviorism and the psychology of the human being, the, the psychodynamics, as they call it, and and there were set behaviors that are born within you; they're innate, basically. They call them imperatives, and all the rest of it, but why you do certain things when you're young, etc., or mainly while you're when you're young. But he knew all, all of this stuff was going to be used by the scientists at the top, the scientists he knew had already been destined to be a tremendous power, a force over the global population. And they would be of incredible benefit to the rulers of the world, the masters of the world. He called them the dominant minority, and he was well aware of them, of course, naturally. In fact, through marriage and so on, his family had been bred into him a while back with the Darwins and the rest of them. But i mentioned a lot of this before, you know, years ago. But you understand that he knew that someone who understood this very, very well, these techniques, could make ordinary people, he said, normal people, behave and do things which perhaps... In their best interest they shouldn't be doing. He's talking about behaviour modification on a mass scale. It's easier to do behaviour modification on a mass scale than to do it individually, because there are instincts, you see, in humanity. There's a herd instinct, there's a gregarious part of humanity, you see, and there's also peer pressure, incredible peer pressure Young people have it perhaps more because they want to fit in and be accepted by their peer group. And so, getting back to the 60s and 70s, when they brought out a new, they always give you a new vocabulary for a revolution. It's trendy, you see, a new vocabulary. So you're the in-group, you understand the the cool words and, and all the rest of it. Evans hip, etc., etc. So they always give you, whenever you hear new words being introduced, they don't come from the people from the streets. It comes from those at the top that put them out there through media, um, through their music and so on to get you to emulate it, and it works awfully well. And since your target group really are the young, you see, the future citizens and adults and all the rest of it, then you must make it sound very exciting. Like you're going somewhere. You're all going somewhere. with The same opinions, the same everything you see. And you're going to change everything. So in the 60s, they were concerned about, uh, um, oh, nuclear war and all that. So uh, the, 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 the left groups, of course, the high, the high left groups, were doing their big, long demonstrations across the world in, in the so-called free countries against atomic warfare and uh, peace, love, and all the rest of it, too, at the same time. Where are they today? Well, see, the masses only follow the leaders of these far-left groups. And if the leaders aren't told by the big foundations to go marching, uh, then uh, they, they sit at home and watch TV, you see. So you make it exciting and promote behavior, again, for a mass group. And again, peer pressures comes into and all the rest of it. Until to be with the in-group, you've got to change the behavior and behave in a certain way. You adopt the terminology that's put for you to adopt. You all see the same things about say bands or groups and so on, or uh L S D or the latest drug or whatever it happens to be. And uh happens magic. You say heaven's magic. And out of millions of them, you're lucky if there's one or two who understand you're all being conned from that same age group. It's so perfect in its transmission to the masses through technology that it's, uh, it's very hard to resist it. Every child wants to be accepted by its peer group. The communists, of course, used that long before for their, in the big revolution. Where generations ended up working for a future utopia which never materialized. But it's so easy to get future utopias pie in the skies dreamt up and and parted so often with enthusiasm. It's gonna be with see so this whole motivational counselling and all that all came out of that, you see, that's all part of it. And you get them excited about something. No matter what the topic happens, you get them excited about it. Make it exciting. And the young especially will fall right into it. We're the future. We are the world. We are the future, etc., etc. You've heard it all before in songs and so on. And like they've decided. They, they know all and they know nothing. You don't. When you're a child, you don't. You're still finding out what's happening. You're trying to find out what's happening in the world. Now it's getting harder and harder. The more data they throw out on the internet The harder it is for the child to figure out truth Until truth becomes Really irrelevant Eventually The main thing is You're all doing it, heading towards the same goals At the same time Now getting back to Aldous Huxley In one of his talks With uh, Wallace he He's not against the future of genetic tampering he points out the problems with it he pointed out something that he had talked about often often in fact and in fact eden mentions on one of them the book put out by it was actually a relative of his uh, through marriage again from the past or one of his predecessors he mentions that basically the elite had decided a, a while ago that the reason the folk were common is because they lacked certain intellectual genes, basically. intellect Intellectual gene, IQ genes and so on. And of course, naturally, and Charles Galton Darwin, that this guy is talking about, had put out in his book, The Next Million Years, that if the elite could make it mandatory that every woman must be inseminated by... Uh, someone from up there In you know, a better class With intelligence and so on Then they could breed out the, the the defects in humanity But then again They knew that would never fly Because of the culture As it stood back then Now you, you, some women Can actually order the sperm From different, from different countries and so on uh, And have it uh, basically Inserted in them uh, to, to to breed the type of uh, offspring that they want. So when you think about it, See, there's nothing the elites uh, come up with in the scientific uh, circles. And remember, they work for those who are already in, uh, literally living in eugenics, have been for centuries. Genealogy is awfully important to them. And they are the masters of the money because they've always been into the money system and telling you what money is supposed to be and running it all and so on. But anyway, you, you understand that Huxley was well aware of all of this stuff. He was, again, he was on television, he's talking to a public audience, and he's going to be awfully careful in how he phrases things and how he puts things across to the general public. You'd almost think he wanted to be liked, you see. Or was it really something that there was a qualm that you had that he knew what he was talking about would? Be abused down the road, and even the victims wouldn't know they were had been abused. They'd be perfectly placid and docile because they'd be bred that way, and indoctrinated that way, and would accept it. They'd love their servitude. Now, when you look at some of the topics I'm going to mention tonight, and I'll put all the links up. Remember, I always do for you to look up yourselves and read them. For those, the serious student, this is not, this isn't hype I'm giving you here. I'm not giving you motive hype, I'm giving you just facts, that's all. As to how you end up being the society you are now, what made it all happen. Didn't happen by chance, you see. It It was designed that way, like the future was designed as well. And really, if you're unhappy with it, you have to find these things out yourself. And understand them. To retain your individual mind, your sanity. So anyway, Aldous mentioned that one of his worries was that the wrong people would get a hold of these sciences and could make people do things, the whole populations do things they ought not to do, like like obey your masters, your master's rotten and etc. Or insane even, for that matter. Definitely what they tell you to accept is insane. Couldn't you think so? And uh, the techniques used through television and so on, and even through comedy, comedy is always the way you push the envelope to start with, you see. You push it, and the, the people will laugh at it. If you get them to laugh at something, which they shouldn't laugh at, then you're, you're, you're halfway there, basically. If you also want the scientific and bureaucratic officialdom to have total power on behalf of the masters in the future, then you must devalue life. In fact, Alan Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley at UNESCO, gave a great speech about that, about how they would have to knock humanity off its pedestal as a, as a supreme being on the planet. And bring it down to the level of the animals And of course he also was pushing for planned parenthood and all the rest of it Total authority on eventually who could marry, who couldn't and all the rest of it and so on And you're pretty well there they've, they've They've made marriage almost obsolete And at the very least they've made it incredibly dysfunctional You can't have a normal relationship As it's been in the sense of the word in the past if you're sitting watching TV every night, because there's so many many psychologists working and neuroscientists working alongside producers and scripts and so on. It's all weaponized. And don't think for a a second that you're immune to it. Incredible amounts of work go into the propaganda through movies and through through, uh, what's called comedy today which will change your behavior and make you rather unhappy with where you are right now. And it's always telling you how you should be. All these smiling faces of we are the world, the Bernese specials you might call them, work awfully well, on people. You're a downer if you you see this is all rubbish. And propaganda, that's how people respond to you. Oh, you're a downer. Now remember, I've given these talks before about um, Delgado, Joseph De- Delgado who worked with the CIA etc. way back at the same time as well as the Huxley's were on the go. And he was controlling the brains of animals and probably people too, I've no doubt about that whatsoever uh, remotely by wireless implants in their head and using basically the kind of things they used to have modeled model aircraft run with where you, you'd have the little uh, mechanism in your hand And you press buttons And uh, it would send signals off To turn the rudders and so on Of the aircraft in the air All of these experiments He did on animals Which they'll show you but Not the ones in humans you, You'll find that uh, If you watch them you'll say, well, Why was he doing that To say he could stop a bull From charging at a matador it's all to do with what they could eventually do with you. And this goes into mass education, indoctrination, and lifelong learning. I've, I give talks years ago, again going to the archive section, cutting through the I talk about different characters way back in the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s, who were Advocating lifelong learning, one of them was called the Red Bishop, I think, or he became Archbishop of England, and he talked about it. And what he's talking about is the use of intensive and constant indoctrination via education. For your whole life, getting you prepared and indoctrinated for the next step of change. Change, change, behavior, modification, change, change. And that's what they still mean by it, if you don't know. And if you don't know, then everything you watch is put out for the public. That term, the public, is weaponized. And uh, agendized as well. It must fall in with the agenda. From novels for, for, for and even children's stories before they even get to school, and cartoons, and so on. They'll get grants from the government departments of culture, departments of culture. Movies and everything else have the same things in them too. Even the most lousiest movie will have so, uh, something embedded into it and or titillate your senses or something, you see. But it's all... Behavior modification of how you view things, etc. Therefore, life education is constant through all medium of communication. Where you're a passive listener, viewer, whatever it happens to be, uh, this is the, the technique this, this used. Now, one the, the first story I'll put up is, is from UNESCO, the organization that Aldous Huxley's brother, Julian, was the, the first head of for education and scientific cooperation. Again, it means the standardizing of the kind, it's for the total indoctrination of, of children. Remember, indoctrination is the, the real meaning of education. This is on education and sustainable development goals of UNESCO. And this ties in with that COP, two thousand fifteen to two thousand sixteen to two thousand and thirty, uh, again global meeting that had now signed in law. If you think it's all that the UN is irrelevant, re- well, go back and watch your movies or something. And it said to your SDG Sustainable Development Goals for Education two thousand and thirty. Ensure inclusive and equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities for all. You see? And it says the Global Education Agenda Education 2030 is part of the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals that make up the Agenda 2030 for Sustainable Development. The global goals and targets aim to stimulate action over the next 15 years in the five P's of critical importance, which is people, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnership. I always think when I hear these goals, you better understand the double meanings of everything. Because George Orwell wrote about that in his 1984. Like the Ministry of Love was where they tortured you to make you sane, you see. Things like that. And the success of these goals is driven by the educational goal. The SDGs reflect the important role of education by encapsulating targets in a, st- a stand-alone goal, which is goal four. So you have to get the children totally indoctrinated into this agenda. And it's already been on the goal for years, is the next phase of it, a more intensive agenda, until you'll never be able to put any Contrary opinions into those Which people, children who become adults eat Into their heads for their entire life It's embedded in them, you see Education is also including goals on health But to eat and all the rest of it Because they tell you GMO is good Growth and employment, if you're looking at Guinea Sustainable consumption Again, I want to cut down on all you're eating on And production and climate change Climate change these are all political purposes, remember. The Incheon Declaration, I'll put that link up too from them, which constitutes the commitment of the education community to Education 2030 and trusts UNESCO to lead, coordinate, and be the focal point for education within the overall Sustainable Development Goals coordination. The Educational 2030 Framework for Action outlines how to translate into practice the commitments made at Incheon at country, regional and global level and provides guidance for implementing Education 2030. So it's to be worldwide, you see, and it's already being implemented. And I'll put that up, as I say, tonight. Also with uh, the PDF they put out from UNESCO, uh, which tells you which Incheon means and so on. And it's quite interesting. It says, we, the, the ministers, heads, and members of delegations, heads of agencies and officials of multilateral and bilateral organizations and representatives of civil society. Were you asked to go in these things? You didn't even know what happened, did you? So here you go. It's, it's nothing to do with you, but it's going to affect all of you. The teaching profession, naturally, because that's who does the indoctrination, the change agents. Youth and the private sector, again, the big corporations, have gathered in May 2015 at the invitation of the Director General of UNESCO in Ancient Republic of Korea. You paid for all this, if you didn't know. For the World Education Forum 2015... And we thank the government and the people of the Republic of Korea for having hosted this imp- important event, as well as UNICEF and the World Bank. Again, the same organisation that set up UNICEF, set up the World Bank, and IMF, and all of it. Right, so. The UNFPA, UNDP, UN Women, and UNHCR, as a co-conveners of this meeting, for their contributions. We express our sincere ap- appreciation to UNESCO for having initiated and led the Convening Office Milestone Event for Education 2030. And then they go through it all. Again, the, the people who are attend these meetings are the ones who will write the ads up that will be broadcast to all of you, uh, the ones who will make sure that these, that basically ads are inserted into, into comedy shows and movies and so on, into news blurbs and all that. To make sure, August, uh, constantly, constantly, forever, basically, until everybody's indoctrinated, and this prowls on too about how wonderful, absolutely wonderful, uh, lifelong education will be and must be. You must get your indoctrination. You see. So again, the ministry of love and the ministry of peace and that Orwell talked about. All the terminologies used in these 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 articles, you see, as they condition you to be the future peasants, who will never figure out that they are peasants, because indoctrination is so wonderful, and they'll be used uh, on behalf uh, of of how their masters see fit, you see, if they're allowed to live that long. And it goes on and on and on, and I'll read it all for yourself, I can't stand these bureaucraties uh, and the way they they, they write things out and, and yap about it like bureaucrats, and it's meant to be that way too. And now I'll we'll go on to this. You see, it's through everything, you see. Now, this is from Harvard University, Meets the Pope. And it says, Francis greets the participants of, of, of the Harvard World Model 2016 at the Vatican. This is all part of UNESCO and all the rest of it, you see. A privileged education is for the pursuit of wisdom and the service of others. So you're going to be put to service. Remember what Aldous Huxley said, you'll, you'll basically come to love your servitude, you see. You won't know why, just it just hasn't been brainwashed into you. Uh, so you'll be service of others, especially the most vulnerable and disadvantaged. Pope Francis told university students meeting in Rome this week for a Harvard International Conference. Addressing more than 2,500 students from some 115 countries The Pope welcomed them to the Vatican and encouraged them to pursue truth Whose truth? What truth? Understanding and wisdom Not only for their own benefit, but for the good of their local communities and broader society So their local community, again, or broader society is from UNESCO, you see The International Gathering is in Rome this week for the Harvard World Model United Nations 2016 annual meeting, and it's the most internationally diverse college-level model UN conference and the largest outside of North America. This is Harvard World MUN, aims at teaching college students both to understand the world they live in and to use the tools of diplomacy and cooperation to improve it. Well, they tell you, uh, how you're going to understand it and, and what, what you're supposed to understand. And uh, use, the, use the tools of diplomacy. What tools of diplomacy? Is that laying down and letting yourself be walked over, or stand up against anything that's wrong? And then the cooperation to improve it. In his remarks to university students, the Pope stressed that knowledge is not only gained from books, but also through experience and encounter. The greatest benefit of your time together here in Rome, he said, is your time together you encounter w- with people from around the world who represent not only our many contemporary challenges, but above all, the rich diversity of talents and potential of the human family. He expresses hope that the experience of the eternal slave would lead them to see the commitment of the Catholic Church to serving, he said, serving again, the needs of the poor and refugees. He's in for, he wants total refugees across the whole Europe. To strengthening the the family and communities, and protecting the inalienable dignity and rights of each member of our human family, we Christians believe that Jesus calls us to be servants of our brothers and sisters, who care for others regardless of their background or circumstances. He said, "I wonder if he brought over members of ISIS and asked them to do the same." I also. Put up the the wiki one for you if you really can't kind be of bothered doing it yourself. On the same Harvard uh, Mun Harvard World Model United Nations, think about it World Model United Nations, and it tells you what again its goals are, etc., and uh, how they move to a different international city each year. It's been on the go since 1991. And been in 23 cities and 6 continents and so on. And it says uh, the Harvard World Mun utilizes a competitive uh, bidding process to select as conference locations and host teams. Now, the activities of this conference, it says participants are assigned to represent countries, organizations, that's your NGOs, the ones you don't elect, you know, or leaders in order to debate pressing international issues in a simulated session of an intergovernmental organization, as an IGO. So your NGOs end up being part of the IGO, you see. World MUN divides all its com- committees into three organs and goes through them too. So it's all, again, bureaucraties, etc., the Charter, the United Nations, and all its propaganda, etc., etc., Remember, all your leaders are, again, previous talks I've given talk about how they they, they pick children at school to be future leaders, to make sure that the agenda can't shift off its course, you see. You have Common Purpose in Britain doing it and other organisations in the US, Canada and elsewhere. It's all the same thing, really, with different names, but all coming from the same funding sources uh, for the same purpose. And I'll, you can read that for yourself too. Now, there was a, a group of students given a prize, young young children, for a children's global climate change song by the United Nations. Again, you paid for it, your tax money to make sure the indoctrination is put up by children. It's nice when children sing nice things like that, isn't it? Where it's um, the songs of the of the uh, the communist young communist party of, uh, that had in the Soviet Union, or the ones of Mao Zedong, you know, we're all working towards a beautiful future, and etc. Uh, or, or even uh, Hitler Youth, for that matter. Uh, it's it's especially wonderful, isn't it? How they always use children to win over the hearts of adults. See, there's many ways to change your behaviour, and they know them all. There's no trick left, unused. And it says, The Mayor of Bonn UN awarded the Group of Young Pupils a Prize for the Best Children's Global Climate Change Song. And it says um, the children were from uh, Gottfried uh, Kinkel Primary School in Bonn, Germany, took home the award for the Best Children's Song. And uh, it was organised by the International Association for the Advancement of Innovative Approaches to Global Challenges. It's a mouthful for you. And cooperation with UNESCO again and the United Nations Climate Change Secretariat. So again, you always use propaganda and children the best way to make sure that it's propagandized into them. And I mean, look at the little red book that all the children had to recite from and wave like a Bible in Matsu Tong's Communist China. it the creativity of these talented children. The children are all taught it by adults. And I'll put the video up for you just to see And listen to the words in it And you see a, a green Again, the green witch or whatever she is Or fairy perhaps Who knows, an adult uh, Making sure they do it all properly As they sing along And they're all looking all over the place Because they, they could be singing anything at all You know Like cleaning the, you know, what off your nose I mean, it, it's, that's, that's how they use children they're all, They've always used children for this kind of uh, propaganda. So, and they actually say in the, the words of uh, if you listen to this thing, we don't no, need no cars, you know, like, and things like that. We don't need no I mean, you must need some cars, I'd imagine. But again, these are all these uh, awfully bad, bad vocabulary. Uh, so that's the kind of children they want to grow up to be bad uh, speaking children, but adults, I suppose, you know. We don't need no, they don't need no baths either, by the way So that's also in the song And then you go back into this one here McDonald's summer camp McDonald's, you know, the hamburger joints and so on Exposes youth to fast food culture while training children to sell the food That's an old idea Again, Bernays was behind a of this kind of stuff Of how to grab the children, set up summer camps And the the parents are happy them off in summer. And again, in adultery, you sing all, all, the, all the songs that are sung in the ads, like a choir with a clown there. What's that tell you? You, you A clown's going to teach you? And it ensures future customers will grow up, not really knowing why. They keep going to this place to sells you, oh, they can't even call it food. Uh, but uh, there's some kind of uh, childhood memories of something, you see. There's six with them, I suppose. It works awfully well, actually. And you know it, too. And um, it says, so this one here, it says, here at Inhabitots, it says, Inhabitots, tots. We advocate summer activities and summer camps for children. They see kids here, but that's young goats. But we are perplexed by the McDo- uh, McDonald's Kiddie Crew Workshop, a camp held by McDonald's Philippines, McDonald's, Kitty Crew Workshop is a five day summer program designed for children aged 6 to 12 years. During the program, the Kitty Crew members uh, experience on floor restaurant activities like greeting customers and assisting the crew at the drive through and front counters. Plus, according to McDonald's Philippines, to get to showcase their skills through creative art workshops. Creative art workshops. And learn the importance of hard work, again, you'll come love your servitude, discipline, and teamwork. You must all be one, you see. The world is one. Through values and uh, formation lessons. Values, formation lessons, eh? You might think a program like this based around fast food would be frowned upon, but the camp has been around since the early 90s. Well, there's old documentaries out there if you, if you can get a hold of them. They were done by mainstream TV way back, maybe the 70s or 80s. And they show these camps in the states and elsewhere with the children, are, again, they're like choirs lined up, all being indoctrinated to sing all McDonald's food songs. Incredible their future customers. And again, they'll have all the different things into it, uh, all this, all these fun things, dance exercises but I'm sure they have all their indoctrination into sustainability, etc, etc. you see. This article here says the new dark age from what's up with that. Exploiting faith to coerce climate obedience. It ties in with uh, all the guys in the top churches are all involved in it too, of course. Woman uh, says uh, uh, climate warriors appear to be increasingly well, looking for ways to exploit people's religious faith to coerce ordinary people into accepting green destitution and to abandoning Uh, Merchandised transport Into letting farmland return to wilderness That's the future you see That's getting brought in They even mention imams And other religious leaders Are an underused means of pushing action To combat climate change Experts and religious scholars say so, religious leaders have the moral standing to call on people and businesses to consider the environmental impact of their activities and take a bigger role in reducing their own carbon footprints. I've never had a carbon footprint, I keep looking behind me. I said, and finding ways to cope with the growing impacts of climate change, experts said at a multi faith meeting in Islamabad. It says, uh, Mulana Tahir, a Ashrafi, central chairman of the Pakistani Lima Council. The country's Council of Religious Scholars told the Thompson's Routers Foundation uh, that imams in Pakistan could have unprecedented influence mm-hmm. in bringing action on climate change. And then he goes on about, said, but first he said they need training and to both understand and communicate the issues accurately in a country hard hit by climate-related drought, flooding, crop losses, and other problems. I'd mention the GM as well. And all the poisons are spraying on it. Anyway, that's a different story, isn't it? And then you go into this one. The House of Representatives introduced a bill to recognize magic. Now, you may laugh at this one. I thought it was April Fool at first, but it came out March 15th. Magic as a valuable art form and national treasure. Yeah, I thought about it. I thought, well, maybe it's appropriate because. How we got to this stage and folk believe what they believe. It's magic indeed, but it's not really soft sciences, isn't it? Indoctrination. Constant indoctrination. But it works like magic, doesn't it? And it says, House Republicans can't find a way to bypass sensible gun control legislation or rein in spending. But they're hell-bent on making sure we deem magician David Copperfield as a national treasure. And it says the House of Representatives, well, anyway, pass it, the laws and so on, um, are extolling the virtues of magic. The resolution honouring those sleight-of-hand artists capable of extracting a rabbit from a hat or sawing a woman in half was introduced Monday. It's a horror movie or something. Among those submitting the four-page bill was New York's own representative, Dan Donovan. Uh, I think that's uh, Republican Republican along with a half-dozen other GOP colleagues. So this, this bill called number 642 inexplicably mentions magician David Copperfield eight times and Harry Houdini just once in its effort to recognise magic as a rare and valuable art form and a national treasure. According to the proposal, magic is magic's a multi-purpose art form that enables people to experience the impossible and transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary and transcends any barrier of race, religion, language, culture. It's calling for an effective national effort to support and preserve magic. And it waits a vote from the Full House. You should say the F-O-O-L House, perhaps. But again, why not? Everyone else is crazy these days, they, they put through. Wouldn't you say? But, you know, I think Arthur C. Clarke said, That to the primitive people, advanced science appears as magic to them. And most folk, actually, in so called civilized countries, are practicing all the time, as it was practiced on them all the time. Look at the effects it has. They do fall for all their indoctrination, most of them do. And they know that at the top. They've always said that, again, you, you, it's easier to control a mass than occasional individuals. Less work has to be done. And if you look at the repetition of the types of revolutions they give you, which are always detrimental to yourself in the long run and those to come, designed by that your master's way above you, Using all the forces of technology to propagandize you Like, let's have a sexual revolution Let's take drugs and have rock and roll forever Well, sorry folks, you, you get old, you know You can't have sex, drugs and rock and roll forever And rock and roll went out with the arc Now Now you have what Marshall McLuhan called a long time ago Tribal chant That's what's reduced to And you can't stay an aging hippie forever, either, you know But living on what? How enlightened are you really, man? But it's magic, isn't it? Magic Now you have more folk going to psychiatrists than ever before Because folk can't get on with... You you can't get a a, a mate anymore Marriages fall apart Everyone's bickering Cause everyone's taught by TV and other things, and even talk shows on television, you should have all this, and they show you all these pictures of mansions and everything, you having a fun time, etc. Myth, magic—that's what it is. But it works; makes everyone dissatisfied. Because you're now living, when you believe in magic and this eternal optimism, you're unrealistic. You see, works awfully well. And remember, too, perpetual revolution means also destruction Revolution isn't just building a new You have to destroy the past to bring in the new that's been designed by your masters But you must think you're bringing it in You're part of the revolution, you see? Everyone works towards their own demise Without thinking about it They're all taught that they're doing good be part of this big mass of people all going forward into a brave new world. Well, we know all about that, don't we? Where that ends up, and it will end up that, that way because people are giving up their ability to be an individual, to retain their own thoughts, and make their own minds up because you're hammered with warfare techniques or propaganda. If you think this, you might be—you must be bad. If you don't go along with this, you must be bad. Etc. Et well, it was very—it's very simple, but it works when it's constant, and perpetual, everywhere you look. Give up your individuality. Come, come in and take the soma. And be at peace with everything. It's like ecstasy. Just be with the world. So all artificial. But you come to love your servitude. That's the message, isn't it? But give it optimism when you put it across to them all. Lots of optimism, motivational techniques. You see. Now don't think that what I'm giving out here is pessimistic. You can reclaim your brain, if you want to. And you'll learn when to hold your tongue. When you're walking amongst the dead Because there's no point trying to convert them When they're dead, you see And you should thank your stars That for some reason The total indoctrination Hasn't worked on you perfectly But it has on them It's, It's not their fault It really works awfully, awfully well So take some hope and pride And pleasure and having your own brain, and using it. Now, I remember two put up YouTube uh, videos as well, that Climate Astronauts for the United Nations, children and all that. Never mention all the, the smoke that comes off the rockets, firing them up on your space. You know? And um, McDonald's Kiddy Crew theme song as well. And um, there's one put out in Germany, it's quite interesting. Again, propaganda through what's now called comedy. It's meant to be a comedy. And you'll see it was promoted even in comedy, folks. And it's from a TV show in Germany, actually, this thing. A so-called Neo Magazine Royale comedy. As I say, a, a critical comedy. Remember, too, you can buy the books and discs, hopefully, at Cutting Through I and mean, You can donate to me as well. It made me tick along here. And uh, as I say, be happy. Be happy you've still got a brain of your own. People have been taught you're supposed to be perpetually happy. Well, you can't be unless you're perpetually manic, you see. And that's a problem. So, from Hamish Mosella, from a, a, a night in Canada that still snowing here in April, it's good night to me, your God or your God's skull with you.